eyes peeled, everyone. Welcome to Full 10 Yards Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome to the latest edition of the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. Week 9 is all but in the books and as ever you're joined by me, David and James in the room as well. James, how are you doing? Uh, Not too bad. Another week nearly done and when you consider what the Monday night game is in many respects fantasy-wise, a week done. (laughs) Yeah, uh, not too much to look forward to in the New York Jets and the New England Patriots tonight. It's... uh... Yeah, it's just one of them. I think they're pretty much locked into third and fourth place in the NFC, AFC East even now. And uh, yeah, not much uh, for anyone, to, to be honest, in that one. Uh, but the Steelers go marching on, James. It was a uh, bit more of a nail-biter than you'd have probably hoped, but uh, remain undefeated. Yeah, if it if, if um, last week it was 7-0, oh, this week it was 8 and. Uh... So it was it was a big measure of relief at the end of there when Minka managed to bat the ball down and uh, seal a win that, let's be honest, wasn't looking fantastic for most of the game. There was because in a lot of the forums they were saying this could be a trap game. It's like everything points Steelers winning by landslide, and then apart from there was a good group of Steelers fans sort of saying. Temper your expectations. This is the kind of game that goes wrong. And it very nearly did. But um, it's nice to see a few, you know, a variety of different people coming through and the ability of Big Ben to uh, bounce back from mid game injuries, which um, I'm hoping that doesn't linger. No, well, it did make me laugh in that game, actually, the fact that he uh, limped off to the to the locker room a minute before a minute before halftime because they assumed it was done. And then um, Dallas just managed to get the ball straight back to Pittsburgh. And they're like, oh, there, we've, we've got to go back on. And Mason Rudolph uh, very gingerly trotted out to say, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, Ben's in the locker room. What are we going to do? Just, just quick three and out, Mason. That's all. <laughs> yeah, just waste as much clock as you can. But it's the fact that Ben played be- best in that first half when he was on one knee. And yeah. By that, I mean with only one functioning knee at the time. It's. I don't know what they did in the uh, locker room at halftime, but it worked. Yeah, and he's 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 had a habit of that throughout his career. I know, obviously, he missed a lot of time last year with his with his elbow injury, but just um just very resilient guy just bouncing back from all these various injuries because he takes a lot of it's the guy and obviously due to his size it's uh you, you think of him as invincible but uh, he is only human at the end of the day how far do you think that o is going to last so for pittsburgh next week it's cincinnati then jacksonville then baltimore does is the Ravens game where you know basically I was saying the Bengals and the Jags? Do you think this is going to be a ten and O team? No, I think Borough puts up a fight, um, but the Steelers do get past the Bengals. I think they'll breeze past the the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then it will be yeah ten and O heading into to Baltimore. And I, in all honesty, maybe Buffalo. Is the only team that could beat them for the rest of the season. I know that's not how the NFL works. And I know that 
we obviously we've just seen in the in the game nearly against Dallas there. I know that's not how the NFL works, but I can only see that Buffalo and Baltimore are the only two teams that that could put up fights, and I, I fancy my chances for Pittsburgh to get past Baltimore. Uh, yeah, I think Buffalo on paper is the only loss of the season, the rest of the season, well, the entire season. Uh, it just all falls off in playoffs instead. Anyway, injuries. Yes. So uh, while we're talking about Big Ben, we will go straight into the week nine injuries. And of course, as ever in the NFL, it wasn't a week without any. At the running back position, a few big ones here, to be honest. So we had uh, Justin Jackson. He managed to get injured before he even touched the ball in uh, the Chargers game against the Las Vegas Raiders, which uh, obviously upset a lot of fantasy football owners out there. And then uh, Kalen Balash stepped up and had himself a day. He was um, finished top five in, in, in running backs for, for fantasy football. Like I, I'd like to see the the percentages started of him there because uh, I certainly was not somebody that started Kalen Balash headed into this one. <laughs> no and... percentage started, percentage rostered. Well, yeah, exactly. Percentage <laughs> rostered, like... percentage started, but. Yeah, finished fourth on the week in both standard and PPR scoring leagues, did Kalen Balage. And you know what it'll be? There'll be a mad rush to the waiver wire now. I don't want to have any spoilers too many for later, but uh, yeah, mad rush to the waiver wire for Kalen Balage. But yeah, Justin Jackson, Josh Kelly was very ineffective. I think he's cuttable now. What do you reckon, James? He's got to be surely. I think Josh Kelly was cuttable about three weeks ago, and this is the final nail because even when the prime opportunity opened itself up, someone else came in and stole his thunder, which is basically all you need to know about how the Chargers think of him, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, the the Chargers medical staff. But then we head over to Chicago where David Montgomery left the game with a concussion. He potentially misses next week. And with concussions, it's, it's one of those, some players bounce back from the same well the next week and some some take a couple of weeks out as well it all depends on what their history has been like with with concussions and etc etc but he is still relatively young I can't speak too much on his high school and his college days but um he, he could well be back ready to go next week but I'm I'm struggling to not roster he's got to be rostered but I'm struggling to start David Montgomery on a on a week by week basis anyway so I'm certainly not looking at any waiver wire replacements with David Montgomery is, is Corderell Patterson going to get the, the number of touches? I know Lamar Miller was there earlier in the season. It's just an absolute nightmare for, for fantasy there in, in Chicago at the moment, isn't it, James? The injury is a bit of a problem because David Montgomery, it was what actually in recent weeks has been a guy I've targeted purely on the basis that he's the only guy in that backfield and he's not at any risk of particularly losing touches apart from injury and then psych what happens. Um, but his run-in, in terms of for running backs, is really favourable. Um, you know, w- whenever you've got the Packers in your schedule, you know you can yeah. feel pretty happy about life. And the Lions, I mean, you say week 12, week 13, you know, build up to the playoffs, he had the two worst run defences in the league, I believe. So it, would have been, it was looking all set up. So I'm sort of hoping that this is just ends up being, you know, next week off against Minnesota, then the Bears go on the bye, and then you have the Packers and the Lions. If he's, you know, back fully fit and ready to go with, you know, two weeks rest under his belt, 
then actually I kind of have hope for him. I would, you know, it's definitely not a rush to the waiver wire for anyone against Minnesota this coming week. You know, Ryan Nolan, Cordero Patterson aren't going to do anything. It's just going to be a pass game. So it's, and to be fair against Minnesota, it's always a pass game. So you, this is where Alan Robinson and Darnell Mooney come to the front again, which in many ways is what we've been doing in recent weeks anyway. But yeah, I think, I think that, for the short term, it's probably a good moment if you want to trade him, trade for him, thinking about the playoff run, or at least you know you are in a win and in situation. And you need the wins. He's probably a decent gamble at not a bad price, especially right now. If you feel like you have the bench spot free, he's one of the guys I want to go for. In the same way that you know Alan Robinson, if you want to go a slightly higher you know price bracket and want to you know have someone who's going to be okay, now I'd go for it because you can sell the narrative of, yeah, but he's got a bye week. Can you afford it? So if you're actually a contender and you're looking pretty set, I'd go Robinson. But if you're trying to win an in, I'd actually be targeting Montgomery. And that feels weird to say after this season. <laughs> it does indeed. Yeah, so here we are. We're getting trade trade advice already. We're not even 10 minutes in, but that is David Montgomery. And in a very similar situation, it must be something about the name David because David Johnson also left the game with a concussion as well. And it's the same kind of scenario. Will he be okay for week 10? We just don't know. He will have to um, jump through hoops, but um, it is possible for, for a player to return a week after their concussion. But Duke Johnson is a much more viable fantasy backup than, than anything the Chicago Bears have on offer, particularly in your PPR leagues. But, but James, are you, are you buying Duke Johnson for your fantasy teams or is it one of those that you're just happy to, to let slide given it's how... Deshaun Watson heavy that the Texans are at the moment? If I knew that David Johnson was going to be out for more than one week, I'd be saying absolutely. Not knowing whether it's a one week, a two week, you know, what, what kind of the length of absence is, there's always a risk to putting a D. Dot Johnson for the Texans in your lineup, regardless of whichever one it is. Um, it's very much the advice is if you need a sort of one week by week slash injury cover, then yeah, Duke Johnson is a decent pick, but he is not a go spend what fab you've got left. He is going to run you to the playoffs because he's not that kind of guy. And to be honest, the Texans aren't that kind of team. The Texans really, you want Watson Fuller cooks and that's, you know, probably about it at the moment. Yeah. Just, it's not that running game hasn't been particularly effective overall, let's be honest. And a change of first name in the you know lead back front isn't necessarily going to fix that, I don't believe. So yeah, it's 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 one of those one you've got a good one week play, but it's not a rest of season play. If you'd told me that some of these names were going to be in the top 20 fantasy finishes for running backs in week nine. I just would not have believed you at the start of the season. So we've got J.D. McKissick, Caitlin Ballage, James Robinson, Duke Johnson, Wayne Gorman, Ryan Null, uh, Devontae Booker, Zach, Mar oh, Zach Moss, fair enough, uh, Antonio Gibson, DJ Dallas. Like, what is happening? What an absolute minefield this running back position is at the moment. And running back two on the week, Christian McCaffrey is set to miss time again due to a shoulder injury. So uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted out this afternoon that 
Christian McCaffrey is set to miss some time. He didn't exactly um, specify for, for how long, but he he played through the, the shoulder injury that he sustained in the loss to the Kansas City Chiefs for the, for the last few plays of the game. But um, it is something that will sideline him now. And obviously, we know that Mike Davis will come in to that Carolina team and Mike Davis will be a more than sufficient backup. He will be a, a top five uh, guy for however long Christian McCaffrey is out. But a lot of people will have sold Mike Davis. Maybe even some have dropped Mike Davis knowing that Christian McCaffrey is going to come back in. Because McCaffrey... Yep, the guy had 28 touches in 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 that game. There was there was no there was no split backfield like Davis had one or two, but yeah, Christian McCaffrey had a ridiculous amount of touches in that one. Uh, James, what are we doing with Mike Davis? Are we selling him, knowing that Christian McCaffrey's? I'm talking about like more dynasty leagues now, but are we selling him, knowing that Christian McCaffrey will come back, or are we holding, buying? What on earth do we to do? There's sort of three stages to this. Stage one. Check your waiver wire. If the per- if the owner dropped him on the basis of CMC coming back, get the waiver wire in. In I mean, it's not quite the same as the Duke Johnson David Johnson situation, just because you can have confidence in Mike Davis being relevant certainly for one week, probably two, because yeah. this sounds like multiple weeks. The other thing to factor, which is interesting, the Panthers buy is week thirteen obviously provided COVID doesn't screw that over. So that would leave games against the Bucks, the Lions and the Vikings. And based on sort of what other teams have been doing, it's been kind of a habit to, if if they're sort of potentially available for the game before the bye, they're not letting them play Can't purely on the basis yeah. of avoiding the re-aggravation. So the odds on him playing before week 14 don't look good, I would say. I mean, I don't, I don't know the full medical diagnosis. There is every chance that you know it could be just a one-week thing. But you know, looking at the wincing he had on the sidelines and the word "some" in the uh, Rappaport tweets makes me think that this is this isn't just a one-week you know dinged up. It'll be it'll be fine soon. So, and when you look at the Bucks, the Lions, and the Vikings, that's not a bad triplicate to take on as a running back. So. Yeah, it's in Dynasty, it's a bit more difficult because you, you know that ticking time bomb is still there. That you know, by week 14, you probably have a duff again. And really, if you're the Mike Davis owner, but you're not the CMC owner, you've just got to, you know, find something on the CMC owner's roster that is you feel is worthwhile, you know, even if it's a draft pick or an asset for the long run, because that's where you're going to get your value. Uh, if not, just you know, take the usage while you can. Depends on the situation, but you know anyone who is in win now mode is where you're targeting. If you're not, if you're in win now mode, play him. Simple. Yeah, but it's not exactly a nice playoff schedule for the Carolina Panthers. The Denver, well, Green Bay is it couldn't be a better matchup, but then um, Washington as well. So um, weeks fourteen and sixteen. Washington aren't as formidable as they were. I think things have as injuries in the season and just that division have taken their toll. <laughs> um, they've, they've actually, they're actually, I think they're getting slightly better against the pass and slightly worse against the run. So the Broncos isn't fantastic, but if you're talking the actual, you know, fancy, you know, fancy playoff finals and semifinals and so on, that's Green Bay and Washington is a good combo because at that point we'll probably know if Washington have got a chance or not. Yeah, I suppose. So it's, it, it could be quite tasty. And to be honest, that Carolina run game, it seems to just work regardless of who the back is. 
and it's it's nearly matchup proof if I'm being honest with you. And if Christian McCaffrey is in there, then anything is matchup proof. Indeed. And then we turn our attention to the wide receivers. So Preston Williams left the game with a foot injury. He is doubtful for week 10. Uh, he vacates five targets that he had in this one here. And with two a time now officially upon us in Miami, uh, Devontae Parker, I've dropped him in a couple of leagues just because of his, his fancy output over the last few weeks. Do we do we start to buy into Devontae Parker again? Because there's, there's very little talent on that offense anywhere else. Like certainly the running back room, Jordan Howard, Got the start there, but it was left to an undrafted free agent to, to pick up the, I say the bulk of the work. He only got 38 rushes, rushing yards on the ground. So, two has got to throw to somebody. Devontae Parker, are we buying back into the hype if Preston Williams misses time, James? He's got to eventually spark, but it might not be this season, if I'm honest. It, it's a bit of a weird one. I mean, I was kind of surprised in many ways that the Dolphins managed to win that game. Uh, when you think about, because just thinking fancy and like, what, well, their running back room was decimated. You can't think of a wide receiver who particularly had the rapport apart from Preston Williams. And effectively, it was a case of he spread it around, which works for the team, but does not work for fantasy. The one sort of fantasy winner really is that Mike Gesicki is back into the relevant category. Hmm. Um, but still three catches for 42 yards wasn't exactly exemplary, but he's being used again, which is at least something. But um, it's, it's one of those where if only the, um, you know, again, the scoreboard mentioned that it was Kaziki that got the touchdown when it was Matt Collins, and that confused everybody. Hey, to and be fair, if that had been true, then I think Mike Kaziki would have been talked about. Yeah, that 86, 86 and 88 looks 88. very similar, to be fair. Yeah, I can, I can understand that there's, um, there's many reasons... I mean, if anybody wants to see really terrible numbering that's impossible to look out, Chef Wednesday's home kit just just got awful. But um, and that's the team as well. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a team that needs time to really gel in terms of getting a one to one connection together. It really will be Parker eventually, but. Fantasy being the fickle game that it is, I don't know if people are going to have the patience because you can probably have to bench him for a few weeks. And when you're coming into the playoff season, it's just very much a, you need to be playing your good guys, otherwise you're out. So yeah. And you don't really want to be wasting people on the bench. So uh, it's probably one of those guys to package in a deal where you want, you, you're you sort of you know, using someone else to get an upgrade at the wide receiver position. But using him in a one-for-one, you're not going to get back kind of what you want but we look at the rest so Lovisca Chanel left the game early with a hamstring injury as so many wide receivers have done this season uh, Kyle Allen it was a gruesome looking injury for him there um, kind of yeah. Scott Hansen was trying to draw comparisons to to Alex Smith's leg injury two years ago on the same field in the same month etc um, so he's, he's probably done for the season now to be honest looking at the way that his ankle was pointing during that one uh, I like how he's listed as um, as doubtful for week 10 in, in a couple of places <laughs> well, it's, haven't they said that it's it's dislocated and has a small fracture but it's not a break and it's not a large fracture which I suppose is kind of a 
qualify for the other bits. But essentially, it's not as bad as they as it looked at first, but it's still probably a season ender. Yeah, so... just you're not going anywhere. Let's let's be realistic. Alex Smith is a more than capable backup. Just put Alex Smith in now, just to just to get you to the end of the season. How many yards did Alex Smith get when he know, came in? He, by the way, he, he probably threw more interceptions than um, passing yards. If I'm perfectly honest, it wasn't the um... uh, well, well, for, but no, 325 passing yards, okay. one touchdown, three interceptions. So it was one of those where, fancy point wise, it wasn't great because of the turnovers. But he had yeah, 325 passing yards, of which over 100 of those were to Terry McLaurin. And he's Terry McLaurin is he was a guy early on in the season. I was thinking, do you know what? I kind of feel like trading away just because this Washington team doesn't look like it's going anywhere, but he's he just is the guy and he's they're building that offense around him in many ways. So yeah, I've had to change my opinion on him through this season. He's now very much in my uh, high esteem category. Yeah, J.D. McKissick there in Washington is very quickly becoming a sneaky good PPR fantasy option. Uh, and I just mentioned him in the top 20, but he had nine receptions uh, yesterday for 65 receiving yards to go with his three carries for 17 rushing yards. It's not a sexy play, but nine receptions in a PPR league is uh, something that I'm here for. 14 He's... targets, sign me up. It's like the old theoretic, but but better i think but nah, it's funny because mckissick was one of those guys that was just every week seemed to be on the hype train saying this guy's going to get all the work because you know running back situation you know when gibson started looking dicey he became you know the one i wanted to own in ppr leagues and it got to a point where i was like i'm putting him every week i can't put him in anymore and then eventually he ticked over the sort of 45 percent own threshold and i was like right i can i can leave that alone now but mm. it's just he's always one of those people that if if he's available, go grab because if you are stuck by week wise or with injuries, he's gonna he's gonna he's got quite a low you know high floor shall we say he's not got a particularly high ceiling that's the that's the downside but it's he's just you know he's like a little cheat code in minutes he he almost feels like the kind of back that should be on the Patriots. You know, he's, yeah, yeah. he's middle-level relevant all the time and he's mostly reliant on the pass-catching game, but at least can get a job done, but he's never going to be a top choice. It just defines Patriot running back. <laughs> and also in the quarterback room, Matthew Stafford suffered a concussion. Now, Stafford was a, a tricky one because he'd not practised at all all week. He'd travelled separately. He'd stayed separately in the hotel to the rest of the team due to COVID restrictions. And... It showed in the first half of his game where um, he looked a bit out of sync with the offense and then suffered the concussion. Now, here is my bold take. We don't see Matt Stafford again for the rest of the season. Oh, um, if you go on recent history, it's a decent shout because he doesn't tend to, you know, longevity hasn't always been his strength, but it depends a lot on where the lines feel they are. I suspect if Pat for as long as Patricia is still there and they still feel like they believe he will still play, provided he's fit. Yeah. But if they do that change of direction, say, right, it's not working, let's get rid of the coaches, 
let's just accept that the Packers and the Vikings are going to be ahead of us again and the Bears. Uh, accept where we are like normal and move on to you know the next plan. And there is a potential that they might venture, but it's one of those where I feel like you only do that if you're the Lions, if you're intending on moving on to another quarterback like in the near future. Mm. And they haven't exactly got you know people upcoming in the stable. Matt Stafford's not over the hill. He just, you know, he, he has a little bit of, you know, injury concern here and there, but he's still very much a decent quarterback compared to your alternatives. And the Lions' problems are much worse elsewhere than quarterback, let's be honest. So, um, and it, I mean, a lot of it is the coaching because they very much still are run-first ethos, which as a losing team is quite difficult. They need to sort that defense out before they can really play cute with quarterback, I think. Um, a lot of teams are making that problem. They're thinking new quarterback will fix them and forgetting the fact that there are two sides to the ball. So the lines would be, it's possible. I mean, I'm not completely disagreeing with you, but only if this concussion is one of those that really does knock him out for if yeah. it's three weeks, it'll be the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm not but saying... I don't see it being that. Yeah, I'm not saying they're going to bench him per se, but like, like if it's one of those that it's it's not straight back in the lineup next week, then I think it'll just get to a stage where they admit that their season's over and go from there. But Patricia is fighting for his job at this moment in time, so he's going to do everything that he can to win as many games as possible. And then finally, we look to the tight end room. Albert O left the game with a knee. Uh, and then Jack Doyle and Caden Smith as well both suffered concussions. So plenty to keep an eye on heading into week 10, which we will keep you updated with, of course. Bear in mind as well, Noah Fan came out with a cue. Um, so he, he re-aggravated the injury he had earlier in the season. So um, Denver may have, you know, for next week at least, may have both starting tight ends missing, um, yeah. which is a shame because I was thinking Fant is now a real trade for candidate and then I saw the injury thing and I went oh that's that's the end of that one yeah he did end I up put the, going, I put the brakes on the hype train yeah did end up going back into the game and uh, had a couple of catches once he was back in there but um want to monitor heading into week 10 for sure so now we turn our attentions to our MVPs James who is your fantasy MVP for week nine it's actually a more difficult week this week because it's trying to pick someone that you started that wasn't a Thursday nighter because we've given them fair and a fair time already. I've talked about Dalvin Cook a million times before yeah, and feel yeah. like he's he's uh, he, I don't need to I don't need to just do the same wax lyrically again. CMC's injury sort of taints that one. So I am going to who I believe was the wide receiver four on the week, um, depending on your scoring format. Um, and that's DJ Shark. Do, 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 do. I've been desperate to do that also. Um, I say kudos to him with the child announcement. That was fantastic a few weeks ago. But you have a rookie quarterback come in in Jake Luton, and it's still hard to decipher the coach speak coming out of Jacksonville, whether it really is an injury or whether they're just trying to, you know, calm the fans about 
the fact that Minshew is not the long-term solution and trying to make Minshew mania go away quietly. But Luton had a pretty decent game, and DJ Shout was the biggest beneficiary of that. I was going to say, so Luton is seven... there now. Oh, God, don't, don't tell the uh, championship team that. Jeez. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Shark had seven receptions for 146 yards and a touchdown. Um, I admit, one of the benefits possibly of LaVisca Chenault's injury, which we mentioned earlier, but it was, it was difficult because going into the game, you were thinking, can I trust any of the receiving options with a rookie quarterback? I mean, is he going to be any good? How's he going to cope? And it tends to go sort of one of two ways. Either the quarterback just throws interceptions and it's horrible, or they just seem to find one wide receiver that they just latch onto and trust and are able to get it done. And Luton just seemed to keep finding Chark pretty well. Obviously, they have James Robinson in the run game, who really helps out that offense as well. But, you know, having two decent ways of scoring points did them good. It's so 27.6 fancy points on the week in PPR format, which for a guy who, you know, you would say was questionable, I think he will have been on a lot of teams' benches this week. Um, he was certainly on a few of mine, and um, thankfully I didn't pay for it, but it was. You know, it was a strong performance and it proves that, you know, Shark still is a really good option regardless of quarterback, which is promising for his owners considering we were thinking about, you know, is he a drop candidate earlier in the year? Suddenly he's now back on well on the radar and rest of season in a team that's going to be throwing the ball a lot, just, you know, A, to try out Luton and B, because they're not that good and they're probably losing. I mean, granted, Robinson's always going to get a touch, but I think Chart's got decent value for the rest of the season. But what's your thoughts? Yeah, no, I'd agree with you there. And he's the clear far and away wide receiver one in the offense. So he's going to get targeted, whoever is, is throwing the ball to him. Guy's got talent, uh, getting that wide open on that uh, long bomb to, to start the game. But the only problem is that Jake Luton couldn't find him at the all-important two-point conversion at the end of the game. It was a proper rookie quarterback moment after that fantastic spin move into the end zone. Oh, yeah, that, that's that was that was so good. There was that that was that was one of my favorite plays of the day after Teddy Bridgewater going full Superman. But um, <laughs> yeah, just not being yeah, able to that find was, DJ Chark on that two point. It was um, the, the only downside on the on the day for the for the Jags, but. Yeah, DJ. It's kind of sad because I'd have quite liked that game to go to overtime because that was that was brewing up quite nicely. And you know, in a game with both teams only having one win, going to overtime felt like the right thing. In yeah. in, in the weirdest sort of way, it's, I mean, it, it kind of shows how the Texans aren't that good in the way that we've said the Jags aren't particularly great. But if the Texans couldn't really finish the job convincingly and they had to rely on defending a two-point try to get the win then yeah the the texas problems are worse than i was thinking yeah it's it's not great and that defense there is is pretty pretty terrible uh they had roby out as well their top corner which is contributes to why chark went off cool so we turn my attentions well we turn our attentions to my mvp and that is tyreek hill the wide receiver in Kansas City, finishing as the wide receiver three on the week in PPR formats. Now, the guy had 18 targets. And when you get targeted 
18 times from Patrick Mahomes. Special things are going to happen. Although he was only able to catch nine of those, he did go for 113 yards and two touchdowns. He did also have a carry for eight yards as well. Now, this is the first time this season that Tyreek Hill has had over 100 receiving yards, but it is the second time in two weeks that he's had the two receiving touchdowns as well. And just as a little caveat to that, he did have 98 yards against the Jets and 99 against the Chargers. So as, as good as 100 yards. I'll, I'll give you those, Tyreek, yeah. so to give, to give you three for the season. Um, it is only the third time he's seen double-digit targets, uh, but he is the wide receiver one on the season in PPR leagues, which everyone's been arguing about the likes of Jefferson and Diggs and Metcalf and Lockett. And I think Hill's kind of crept into that spot without really noticing it's a little bit under the radar um yeah and he's, he's got a nice schedule to finish the season so he's, he's on by week next week but then um a nice schedule culminating in playoff matchups against the new orleans saints and the atlanta falcons which is a fantasy Ooh. owner's dream for the wide receiver that week 16 it's it's almost all written too perfectly but with our converse, referencing back to our conversation with the steelers before the Steelers will keep the Chiefs honest because the, the the number one seed is even more important this year because the number two seed will have to play in the, the wild card weekend with the seventh playoff team being added to the mix. So that number one seed becomes all more important, obviously maintaining that home field advantage. And when you look at going to Heinz Field, I wouldn't be the I wouldn't fancy going to Heinz Field if I was the Chiefs. So um they will be kept honest, yeah. and the Steelers. The Steelers have already got a win advantage over the Chiefs as well, so they will still be playing heavily in that Week 16 game against the Falcons. So, Tyreek Hill, it's going to oh. be quite something. It's going to be quite something if the Steelers have to go 16 and 0 to get home field advantage because the Chiefs go 15 and 1. I mean, it, I, I don't know what the odds are, but it's plausible. It could come down to that Buffalo game and that Colt, and then the Colts game. I think it's week 16. I could be wrong. And those two for the Steelers could determine whether they get the number one seed, even though they've had this incredible and beaten start. You just, it's going to be interesting to see how much the Chiefs end up ruining that game against the Raiders. But um, that's, it's all very nice. But yeah, Tyreek Hill has been very much, he's, he's almost been under radar purely on the basis that you have such high expectations of him, you, yeah. you know, most people drafted him as the third wide receiver off the board on the basis that they felt he could be the number one and you would be able to get a decent running back at the back end. So, you know, there were some people getting like, you know, Josh Jacobs and Tyreek Hill stacks. And it's almost, he's almost gone under the radar on the basis that, you know, you have such high expectations for every week. It's just that he's meeting them and he's not booming as such, you know, like Metcalf and Lockett are. They're just taking it in turns and sort of taking it off of each other. But he's just solidly very good every week. And that's why he's ascending to the you know position that he's in, and it's only going to get better. And it's probably the way the Chiefs want it, really. So well, that's, that's kudos how, to him. Yeah, that's how Andy Reid's offense works. Like this, you don't know where it's going to come from. And obviously Tyreek Hill's... Uh, going to be a factor every single week but then Travis Kelsey went off in this one as well and it wasn't a particularly great game rushing wise for the Chiefs but then next week nope. all of a sudden Clyde Edwards-Alaire will get a, a load of the work and Sammy Watkins needs to come back into that offense as well so it's a really really scary offense you just don't know where the work's going to come from but uh, with Tyreek having as good as 100 yards and two touchdowns in the last two weeks as well makes me incredibly excited for the rest of his season 
James, who is your honourable mention? Who is the person that didn't quite make the cut, but uh, you still want to give a shout out to? Well, going to do this one because it's so not um, you know in honour, but uh, as a bit of a shout out to Rob because he was big on him pre-season, loved him in the draft, and you know he hopefully he'll be back on the pod with us soon. Let's hope. But I'm going to talk about Jerry Judy for Denver because, granted, the matchup was beautiful against Atlanta. Drew Locke was allowed to have a day and Jerry Judy had 14 targets, the second most targeted player on the week for any team, I believe. Um, And he brought in seven of them for 125 yards and a touchdown, which put him on, you know, 24 and a half PPR points this week and finally meant he broke the 20 point barrier. And it's, in fact, the first time he's broken 15 in a single game. So this felt like the true breakout. He previously only had, you know, five receptions or 10 targets in a game. So this felt like a true, right, let's pepper our main guy. They've been missing Cotton Sutton all season. And to be fair, they've been, they missed Drew, they obviously missed Drew Locke early on as well when he was down. But they needed a game like this in order to really fire up Judy and you know prove what they drafted in the rookie and it's nice that he's finally been able to break out in this kind of game and it's just one of those where you hope it continues yes it's the Falcons the matchups there and yes they didn't get the win even though it was looking almost like history repeating itself once again at the end of that game there was a point where I was thinking the Falcons couldn't possibly lose another one and they really nearly did but the defense finally made the play um so in many ways turning points for both teams in that game the falcons defense finally got the belief that they could stop a play at the end of a game and jerry judy finally has the big game that he's been dreaming of so yeah this this it's probably in many ways mentally it was a good game for them but yeah judy now becomes the threat and the weapon that people were hoping he was going to be when he was drafted. And that offense, when they have Sutton back next season as well, and if they can develop one of their other ones like KJ Hamler, then that can be that can be a threatening offense, especially if Drew Locke can produce like he did that did yesterday. So just needs to get rid of some of the turnovers he keeps giving. Yeah, I spent two minutes of uh of your pitch there, wondering when we'd previously had Jerry Judy on the pod when you said, uh, I hope we'll get him back on soon. But then I realised that you were talking about Rob at that point and not and not Jerry Judy. So, uh, yeah, Jerry Judy hasn't been on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, no, uh, to be fair, considering our hit list and the fact that um, Blake Jarwin still has, what is it, 125 unread messages? <laughs> um, from our accounts, so I don't think we're going to necessarily get the level on anytime soon, but you never know. No, never know. Jerry, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on, so hit us up at F10Y Fantasy. But yes, optimistic. Jerry yeah, yeah. <laughs> you never know. Somebody may be listening who knows Jerry Judy and is going to at him and be like, yeah, get on there. So we don't know. Stranger things have happened, but we head over to my honourable mention, and that is Curtis Samuel. The I'm going to call him wide receiver because that's what he is, but uh, he is kind of more and more turning into that gadget kind of player. Um, he's one of those that 
probably going to crop up with a slash running back soon on sleeper, especially with Christian McCaffrey being out. But he had 26.8 PPR points, making him the wide receiver five on the week. And a couple of nice weeks in the row. He had nine targets. He brought them all in. And like Tyreek Hill, it was his first 100 receiving yard game of the season. He had 105 with a receiving touchdown as well. But most interestingly about Curtis Samuel, he had three rushes for 13 yards. And that doesn't sound particularly interesting, but he's averaging 2.44 carries per game. He's had at least one in every single match uh, this year. And it was the last week where the, he got the rushing touchdown as well. So a, a really nice rushing day for, for Curtis Samuel. So he he's becoming a weapon and the, the He's been used how he should have always been used coming out of college. I think he's been misused over the last few years. And now certainly we're starting to see the potential of him there as that little bit of a gadget player. We've got DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. They're undoubtedly two top traditional receivers, if you like, in the game. But Curtis Samuel, I think he's going to get a lot of work in this offense as this gadget kind of style player, especially with Christian McCaffrey set to, to miss some more time. So he's only rostered in 58% of the league. So it's doesn't quite qualify for uh, for the for the waiver wire stuff because um, we, we tend to work on a on a ratio of 50 for that but go and get him in those 42% of leagues where he's not rostered go and get him because he's going to have a part to play for the rest of the season and he's he's got a nice uh, schedule until week 13 when when the dead head on to a bye um playoffs doesn't look particularly great for him but until then we've certainly got a nice player there and he's had a touchdown, at least one touchdown in each of the last three weeks with two last week. James, what are your thoughts on Curtis Samuel? He almost in sort of the last few games has reminded me of, of, of sort of a shared namesake in Debo Samuel, if yeah. I'm honest. He's, he's, what is it about Samuel, you know, players named Samuel being pretty decent gadget players, labelled as wide receivers, but fully able to do running back stuff, jet sweeps and all that sort of you know versatility just seems to be a thing with you called Samuel. But yeah, it's nice that they're finally using him in that way because, say, when he was drafted, I think he was drafted in the same draft class as McCaffrey, wasn't he? And some people were saying that, hang on, they've drafted two of the same player, which looking back now is a hilarious statement, I have to admit. <laughs> but... Um, you can see why, yeah, though. Like... <laughs> I can see you can sort of see why that people said that in the way of how Samuel is able to Samuel is a is a wide receiver who's able to do running back stuff and yeah. McCaffrey is a running back who is able to do wide receiver stuff. It's the same, you know. You can play two positions quite comfortably. Tell Christian McCaffrey that he's being tight end and he'll probably say, "Fine, what do I need to do?" <laughs> but um, nah, it's it is nice and say. Sam, yeah, it's a shame that he is slightly above the threshold. Otherwise, he would have been probably my number one option for. I don't know why I'm bleeping. <laughs> Apparently, my time is up. I have to go now. Um, but uh, <laughs> I don't think you can hear that in the background. It's probably the dishwasher or something. But um, nah, Curtis Samuel would have been in the hype train. But um, sadly, he doesn't meet the criteria. So uh, that's a pity. But still, that's like you, you hype train extra time. We'll call it uh, only fifty eight percent roster. That, 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 that's sure. a Twitter. That's a Twitter post as opposed to an article entry. Yeah, exactly. So make let's, sure. Let's let's leave it there. I've been. I'm I'm trying to use the Twitter mob, but obviously with baby due, I think uh, <laughs> just just time to even write some words is starting to run out. Definitely, definitely. 
But we look now at busts. So, James, who was your biggest bust of the week? And, yeah, there's plenty to choose from here. Well, I mean, if I could have picked the whole of the Tampa Bay offence, I would have done, um, to be honest. And Still can't I'm believe I go stayed for... up till 31 nothing from that one. That was horrendous. Yeah, I'm going to go for the guy who quite literally doomed me this week and let me down in that sort of, you know, Sunday night miracle scenario, and that was Ronald Jones. He had three rushes for nine yards and three receptions for nine yards as well. So that's 18 total yards, 4.8 fantasy points, and in it was a bad game. Well, it ended up being a really bad game script game. It ended up being a really bad game full stop. Fournette out-touched him again, out-produced in the slim amount of running back production there was there again. And when you thought that game was going to be quite even, it just went out of control quickly. Very, very quickly. And yes, you can say that you know the writing was on the wall quite early and that Rojo was not going to get action, but it's in many ways highlighting the point with Fournette getting the work he did, even in the bad games. And there's been, you know, the trends are starting to appear that it's almost more Fournette than Rojo now. You do have to question, you know, Rojo's value in many respects in total, because, yeah, you've got a lot more wide receiver options. Brady's going to want to wear it out more. The running game hasn't been great since... Obviously, against the Packers, it was fantastic, but that's because it's the Packers and their run D is atrocious. Since then, Rojo has only topped 10 points in PPR once, and that was 10.6. So I don't know, what 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 would you be doing with him right now? Would you be trying to trade him away for whatever bit you can get, pennies on the dime, as I think I they was, say? I or was about are you to sort say. of holding, looking for the comeback? Um I was about to say I'm considering whether I want him on my roster. So, yeah. You, you've got uh, to, that was going to be option three. <laughs> you've got to try and float him on the trade market because I think there is still something salvageable there. Um, and I think your sales pitch does go somewhere That's along the lines of... Yeah, I, I think you've, you've, you've got to go somewhere along the lines of Leonard Fournette's not reliable. He's missed time through suspensions and injuries, etc. But, yeah, I think he'll struggle. I think... I think the narrative comes next week. They're at Carolina, who, even though they did a good job of it, of you know, snaffling up the running backs this week, it was, you know, it was the Chiefs, and they can get you any which way they like. But um, the Panthers normally are pretty, you know, porous to running backs, so Roger could have a good game there. But then the Rams, the Chiefs, bye week, Minnesota, Atlanta. Yes, you, you then you can go on the narrative that they've got Detroit in the championship game, and you can say you 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 want this carrot for the big game, and that oh here he against Carolina he produced, but I think in that interim it might be tough sledding, and Fournette's going to eat into his work. Antonio Brown and all the wide receivers there, you know, there's going to be so many targets that there might not actually be a lot of rushing yards available anyway. Um, so. Yeah, he's he isn't droppable yet, but 
it's he's not far off now. And there were points in this season where we were saying that he, he's proven he's the real deal. And now, now the chips are down. He's looking cooked. Four rushing attempts. Well, there was five, including Blaine Gabbert's uh, kneel down, but four rushing attempts for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last night. That's embarrassing. But the Saints, let's give some credit where credit's due. Because I, I, oh, I went into this one saying that um, Brady and Breeze, the record for touchdown passes, was going to swap hands like four or five times in this one. I thought it was going to be that kind of game. But Drew Breeze just came and said, you know what, Tom Brady, that record's mine. And uh, three for four, but we saw Taysom Hill like we've never seen him before. He had 48 passing yards, 54 rushing yards, and 21 receiving yards as well. Like, how do you stop a guy that can do that kind of thing? Like that, that is, yeah, that's that's it's insane. The it's the fact that <laughs> who else got into that game? Jamie's. And then was celebrating in the locker room afterwards, eating the W like he had thrown the four touchdowns himself. Like he enjoyed that so much. He did. Um, but 100% completion rate, 12 yards, no interceptions. Maybe Jamie's has turned that's unlike him. And you leave, yeah, exactly. But um, Alvin Kamara, even though game script was, was favorable. It was only held to, to nine rushing attempts compared to Latavius Murray's 10. Dwayne Washington managed to get in there with five. It was just a weird game for the Saints offense because the, the touchdown receivers, Adam Troutman, which uh, again, Rob was flying the flag for early in the season, Emmanuel Sanders, Traquan Smith, Josh Hill, like Breeze was just like, I've got a, such a good offense here. I'm going to throw to whoever. You're not going to be able to stop us. Um, the title is pretty much ours. It was a really impressive professional performance from New Orleans yeah. and uh, particularly looking as good as they did on defense as well, picking Brady off three times. I I think now they've got Thomas back, they're gonna they're gonna look really good for the rest of the season. Like they're, they're gonna they're gonna compete for the NFC championship. Yeah, that's 100 percent That team needed a bit of a I think that team maybe even though they they've got a decent record, they needed a bit of a spark. And I think MT coming back, if he can avoid getting into fights with his teammates and avoid getting on injury reports, that team goes back to the contender for the whole thing category. Yeah, and MT didn't even have that big a game. Six targets, five receptions, 51 yards. It was a fair game for him. But just him on the field, yeah, he didn't need to be. And just having him on the field will divert Tampa Bay's attention completely onto him, which did allow Drew Brees to, uh, to spread the ball out every which way and where. But yeah, 38-3. Yikes. So we look at my bust and I am going to go for DeAndre Hopkins. Six PPR points in this one, finishing as the wide receiver at 68. He had just three targets, three receptions for 30 yards. And was pretty much shut down by Xavier Howard the whole game. Like, Kyla couldn't get to him. And that enabled Christian Kirk to go off. He had the big game with five receptions, 123 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. And DeAndre Hopkins is undoubtedly top three, maybe stretch to five wide receivers in this league. He's got a fantastic quarterback now in Kyler Murray, but he has these kind of games a little bit too often in my book. So we cast a ride back to week four. He had seven receptions for 41 yards, no touchdowns. Now, it all depends what kind of scoring you're playing here. If it's standard, 
that's a pretty poor showing. It does bump him up to uh, to double digits if it's in PPR. Week six, two receptions for 73 yards. That's not double digits, whichever format you are playing. And then week nine, the three for 30 as well. So that is three now where he's he's struggled. He's He's been put out of the game. And I know that he's had injury hampering him throughout the, the season as well, but you, you've still got to factor that in. Are you as worried as me about DeAndre Hopkins, James, or is, am I just completely overreacting at a bad game? I think you've got to, you've got to admit that if Xavier Howard, you know, doesn't provide the pass interference and he catches those balls, we're sort of saying that, yeah, it's an all right game. He wasn't, he wasn't you know, star of the week, but he wasn't a bust kind of thing. It's still, you know, value to the team getting the yards. It was just that he didn't actually catch the ball. It was just that he drew the interference play. So you can't really worry too much because there's going to be games where, you know, the cornerback coverage isn't quite as close, quite as good, and he's going to have to do the actual catching of the ball. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not overly concerned. I, to be honest, the thing that concerns me more is just how well Kyler Murray is running to the point that are the passing attempts there? That, you know, he went over 100 yards this week on the ground. First time in his career um, to do that. Yeah. And yeah, he looked he looked super good. It was it's when you've got a player like that, it's like, you know, how much is the passing game required? It was why I was a tiny bit surprised when he went there. But um, when you sort of look at that roster construction, it makes total sense now. But um, the I suppose the interesting thing was just how well Christian Kirk did in that game. On five, on five receptions and eight targets to get one, two, three and a touch. Um, he's had three weeks in a row over 20, five weeks in a row in double digits, if you ignore the week, obviously. And for me thinking, oh, do I drop him You know, quite early on in the season after the goose egg in the Detroit game, which I can't remember who was even playing in that one. But He's proven to be that, you know, reliable, required wide receiver too in that offense. And it was just his day to get the catches as opposed to Hopkins. And it might be that way. You nearly, and this is very bold, looking at this scenario like Lockett and Metcalf, where you'd, you'd are, you know, it's different because you know that one back, one run receiver is better than the other, but there are two guys who can each go off. You can either go off together or it could be one or the other. Depends how teams want to defend against them. But Kirk's proved it, proving himself more and more by the week. And that means that the bust potential for Hopkins is up there. So I can see where your worry comes from. But this is still DeAndre Hopkins. Let's not forget that. Yeah, definitely. So, James, this is the point in the show where we have a little bit of a spoiler alert for the NFL Hype Train article. Who is your top waiver pickup headed into week 10 and beyond? To be honest, it's been a much more difficult week because I haven't really had much chance to look either, which has been bad. The article will will be up tomorrow, but it's still in the writing process. So good luck listeners. You're going to learn along with me. (laughs) But um, apart apart from there is a little bit of a thing I always talk about Dallas Goddard. He's coming off the bye week. People didn't necessarily pick him up last time or they dropped him in order to, uh, you know, accommodate an actual roster for this week. So look out for, you know, the Eagles players who are on the upswing, shall we say. I think the Eagles make a run and I think the likes of Goddard and Ray if they're available, you go grab them. 
Um, looking on the sort of availability front, you probably are looking a lot at the one weekers like Duke Johnson, etc., who are going to be your top pickups. But there's no real standout, I don't think, this week personally. Because I know I know where you're going to go with yours. I think based on what we talked about earlier. Um, so I'm going to leave that door open for you to walk through. Um, much in the way that he walked through a few defense, you know, the uh, his opposition's defense this week. But yeah, in many ways, what I'm saying is I'm barely going to give you a spoiler this week, and you can uh, read the article and find out because it's a tough one. Okay, well, I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm intrigued to know uh, who you think I'm going for. So we've already mentioned on the show, uh, Mike Davis and Curtis Samuel, if they're available, because there are leagues where they will be. Um, and Duke Johnson for a, a week fill-in if David Johnson misses any time. Uh, Kalen Balaj, is that who you thought I was going to go for? Yeah, you, you kind of intonated on it earlier. I'm just, I, I want one more week, but I almost feel like the rush is going to be there and I just cannot back it. Also... I- when is Ekla back? Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm just waiting for it. That's where the narrative was going. Good. That's that's where the Phew. narrative's going. This one is just give me Austin Ekla back because he's going to come in. He's going to get 15 carries a game and he's going to get the targets and the catches as well. So, and with Herbert there. I so the advice from both of us is don't use your waiver budget on on um, Kalen Balage. I mean, throw a little bit on there you, because. You, you one dollar it, but. Eckler's not going to be back next week. Someone's going to have to carry the ball. And if it's Kalen Bellage, you could get a serviceable week out of him again. But let's not go thinking that he's going to be a rest-of-season league winner. Uh, I am, however, going to go for Jordan Reed and go back to Rule 81. He was used in limited fashion against the Green Bay Packers. The game very quickly got out of hand, but George Kittle um, is not going to be back anytime soon. And Ross Dwelly, come on. Let's let's not let's not get too carried away. But um, he's got a nice watch up this weekend against the Saints. Uh, if he can now prove that he's fully back to fitness after a nice long ten day rest after playing on Thursday night football last week, we said this at the start of the season. Rule eighty one: if George Kittle's out and Jordan Reed's healthy, you play Jordan Reed. So go get Jordan Reed because he will have been dropped in a lot of leagues during his absence and Kittle's rise to the top. You're going to tell me now that he's 65% owned, aren't you? Somewhere. <laughs> I don't think he is. Um, I'll have a. I'll have a. I'll try and have a quick perusal. Yeah, but, that's. Um, I, I'm. I'm. I haven't checked his ownership percentage, but I'm. I'm suggesting him because I expect him to be not very well owned in a lot of leagues. Because even if they, comment. Yeah, even if they picked him up, um, they'd have dropped him again after his uh, poor performance against the Packers. But we now move in to the trading spot. And James, who are you trading for? Okay, you might have to hear me out on this one, especially after some of my comments in recent weeks. Mark Andrews, because I think we've reached the stage where his value has hit its low point, personally. I think that there is... I've not... I'm sort of, you know, on Twitter, in the sort of fancy social media world that we live in i think this is the week where i've seen the most sort of should i really be worried about and the the name seems to always be mark andrews he's not had the greatest run in recent weeks so his last three games he's had four five and five fantasy points um 
Uh, prior to that, he had 20 and 17 and was the Mark Andrews we know from last season. Um, bear in mind, those three games are against the Eagles, the Steelers, and the Colts. Three of the top eight defenses on the year. And I think people are panicking. And I think there is a, you know, a window to buy him on a reasonable price because he's still, to me, a top four, top five tight end in the league. And I think he's one of those that even if, you know, you're not 100% sure on the matchup, you've still got to play him um, unless you really have a star matchup in your, on your bench that you just can't ignore. Uh, and even then, he's probably one of those that you're thinking as a flex position play. But he's got New England, Tennessee, and Dallas, and Cleveland, and Jacksonville, and has the Giants in what is a fantasy championship game coming up. That's a pretty juicy one. Okay, there is Pittsburgh in the middle of that lot as well, to bear in mind. But that's one dodgy matchup coming up compared to the rest of the season. I just think the timing is right to make a play. And... You say he's a guy who was high on at the beginning of the season. The Ravens have got to sort out their passing game. It looks like Marquise Brown has almost lost faith in his own team. And the guy who was getting all the possession work and getting the work done, especially in the red zone as well, was Mark Andrews. And I think they're going to have to go back to that if it's going to work. So that's what we're on training for this week. Yeah, completely Your thoughts. Yeah, it's... Um... I tipped Andrews to have a very big season and he's, he's, he's been hot and cold to start the season. Uh, scoring two to five points has not, has not been out of his realms of possibility early on, but just a couple of weeks in a row, people have forgotten what it's like to have him good. He has got some nice matchups. So yeah, I, I, I like that going out and getting him now. Mine is Jonathan Taylor. So the, the guy was benched after fumbling the football, which caused the hilarity of Philip Rivers trying to make a tackle. It was... Oh, yeah. Philip Rivers trying to make a tackle was on a similar oh. way to Daniel Jones trying to score a 80-yard run, just falling over under absolutely zero pressure and would just rather line his back and let... Uh, how his... I... That tackle is how I envisage my baby when it's on the rocker. Just up, arms up, flailing, hoping to grab onto anything. Yeah, it was pitiful from Philip Rivers. But Jonathan Taylor was benched after that one, After um, and then Jordan Wilkins came in. So the, the Colts running back snaps percentage in that game was just horrendous. But we've got to remember that Baltimore was a, a really bad matchup for them. We weren't expecting anything from the run game here. And Philip Rivers just proves that, Indianapolis cannot rely on this passing game and the schedule now for the Colts for the rest of the season Tennessee twice Green Bay Houston twice Las Vegas admittedly they do finish it out with Pittsburgh but the next six weeks for this Colts you, you don't have schedules better than that in fantasy football for, for running backs so someone's got to have the ball Jonathan Taylor is talented it's a great offensive line so I think the Colts would be stupid not to not to give him the ball 15 to 20 times this one. So go get him now because um, he will come good in the next six weeks. James, you pulled a bit of a face. Do you disagree? I'm The way that they bench him and the way they treat him, yes, it wasn't a plus matchup, but I'm not 100% sure they have full faith in him that it's going to take a few weeks of good performance to have him at full speed. And you may have to, you know, you're having to trust in him becoming essentially a better player than he currently is showing. I mean, I still think the talent's there. We, we, you know, that's why he got drafted where he did. And 
why, you know, when Mac went down, everyone just rushed and said, right, he's the guy, he's the guy. And it's obviously not been the season people had envisaged. And I just, with Hines and Wilkins and him there, there's a very, there's a lot of the too many cooks spoil the broth plot. And Taylor's not exactly, in the last few weeks, not stood out head and shoulders as the lead. And the Colts haven't been, you know, showering the praise on him, such to say that he's going to be our guy through thick and thin. And he's going to be serviceable every week, certainly. But is he going to have a boom game necessarily, apart from the really juicy matchups? I just don't feel like I have the faith at the moment. But six are all juicy matchups for him, though. That's my... I know that's, that's where you're coming from, but the, the problem is it's a juicy matchup for all three of them. And the last few juicy matchups, Heinz has gone mad. And that's where I'm worrying in many ways. It's it's one of those where I wouldn't be actively trading him away if he's on my roster. I wouldn't be you know looking for the trade. He's not my trade away candidate at all. But and that's purely for the matchups. But I feel like it is very much a gamble and the only problem you've got is in the running back world for the value that you're going to probably be trading to get him. Is there a better option and probably not in the way of consistency and low floors. So yeah, I'm trying to sort of talk myself into it and (laughs) not too far into it at the same time. It's, it's one where I can't say I'm committed, but I can't say it's a bad call. Cool. And then finally, we do look at tradeaways. So, James, who are you cutting ties with and selling while you can? Well, I'm going for a guy called Cook. <laughs> it's not Dalvin. <laughs> Jared! pleased to hear. <laughs> it's Jared Cook. Of course it is. I was, I was thinking you weren't going to shout it then. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have to fill in my own blank here. Oh, but yes. Brandon Jared Cooks. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> Jared. Yes, I could see you slightly shrewing. But yeah, he. this was a blowout game for the Saints, and yet he still only had two receptions for 30 yards. So that's three points on this day. And with Michael Thomas coming back, uh, and clearly Breeze happy to throw it to any open wide receiver, essentially, um, and Alva Kamara still being fit and healthy and all-worldly as he is, Jared Cook's window of particular relevance seems to be fading, but plenty of teams, certainly in a championship hunt, are probably still looking for tight end people who they feel they can start week to week. And granted, the matchups coming up, they have Atlanta twice, but they could very well be wide receiver games and you don't end up using Cook. It Basically, his value his ceiling very much drops and his overall value is diminishing somewhat. And if you don't jump ship now, you're probably not going to get as much for him as you're going to do, you know, in a few weeks time, potentially you're reliant on a big Atlanta game to get the value out of him. I know it's a tough tight end landscape and that's probably the one thing that would shy you away, but it's also probably the one reason why you can get something for him. Um, Streaming tight ends isn't, exactly the most enticing thing in the world to do but if you get it right it's gonna yield more points than playing cook in every game remaining this season i think so granted it's a gamble but i do think that 
sell now while the time is right. Yeah, and with Touchdown's going to Troutman and Hill, as we've already mentioned last night. Um, yes. Yeah, wanted to get out of there. And we look at my trade away is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And this is for redraft only. This is not for, for Dynasty because uh, I still believe in him. But he he's, he's looked good, but he's just not getting the, the work volumes and the, the, the carry volumes for, for the Chiefs um, were certainly far from great. And I think that's because Mahomes is playing so well this season is that they've not had to, to try and rush the ball to, to, to establish a running game. And yeah, he did, he did get some receptions in this one. He did get his first receiving touchdown of the season, but it is a rough schedule for fantasy running backs now for, for the rest of the season for, for Clyde Edwards. And it is just his usage that is scaring me in this one. And especially with Le'Veon Bell there lingering, we're just unsure as to how they're going to get used still on a week-by-week -week basis. I think he's very touchdown dependent at the moment, and that is not something I want to see for a uh, a running back. I want to see a, a nice four with his with his yardage as well. Could be a little bit controversial, but um, certainly for this season, I am wanting to cut ties. Too controversial, mm. like JT or again, you've caught me. You've caught me in the sort of middle road where you know it's not often we disagree on this show. But we're finally finding little chinks in the armor. Um, now, the the thing is, the last few weeks, the, the big issue has been it hasn't actually ended up being Le'Veon Bell, because let's face it, Le'Veon Bell could have been in the bust article every week. We're just giving him the slight grace of it's a new offense, but he's been useless for them, really. He's not done anything. He's not really stunted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as much as I thought he would. But the thing is that the matchups that you would think are brilliant for running backs, so the Jets and the Panthers, he's done – both of them did very little, and they just let Mahomes run riot. And in many ways, it's a case that the Chiefs just don't bother reading what should happen. So they just – you know, they don't really seem to care about much. They'll just go with whatever they think because they're the better team. So it might be that even if the matchups coming up aren't fantastic for running backs – just the Chiefs go full-on Chiefs and Andy Reid does what he does and just says, right, Clyde, it's your game. And he just goes absolutely off. Um, I mean, one big thing to factor in is, of course, this is his bye week. So your trade value for him now is quite low, um, which is why, you know, if, 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 if you people are of my sort of thinking that he, could, he should really have value and he's going to be a strong play all the way through, I'd be training for him at this point, hoping I can get a good value. I'm actually in my head thinking right now, and this is this is one, who would you rather have rest of season, Jonathan Taylor or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Jonathan Taylor. You'd want Taylor and I'd want Hilaire. So that's interesting. That's, there's a poll waiting to happen. I mean, I suspect the fans will go on your side, actually, for this one, but... I just have that feeling that the Chiefs just the Chiefs have proven that they're not always predictable. It's just that they're good all over. And if Bell keeps on not producing and Edwards Hilaire, you know, is still their back of the future, let's be honest. He's going to be the guy they want to, you know, lean on and rely on. It could just be that he's having a quiet few weeks waiting for the big playoff push at the end. So yeah, it's I can see I can still see the logic. I can still definitely, you know, understand it, but I do still, you know, I, I was cold on him at the, in draft season. I sort of said, he's not going to live up to that value. And now that people's expectations have dropped, I've said, do you know what? I quite fancy a bit of this now. <laughs> Always the way. 
So that concludes week nine. And then we finally look at the Thursday night football matchup between the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts, two teams that we have spent quite a bit of time talking about tonight. So first and foremost, who are you tipping to win this one? I'm pretty confident I'm, I'm going, which way I'm going. Oh, do you know what? I, I think this could be quite a tight one and maybe slight bit tense one. Um, if you sort of look on the grand scheme of things, I do slightly lean t- towards the Colts, if I'm honest. Ooh. Which, it may sound a bit of a surprise, but the Titan, since the Titans lost their unbeaten run, they've not looked like the same invincible force. Their defense looks fragile. Their offense, I mean, Derek Henry didn't have a particularly good game, even though I thought he was going to be reasonable this week. He barely got past seven fantasy points this week. And it's... The Colts are very good in defense on all sides. And the Titans, they have weapons everywhere, but the Colts should at least have the ability to stymie them where necessary. And there is enough of an offense there. It's very much going to be on, you know, wide receiver health and tight end health. If they have Burton, Mo Ali Cox, Pascal and Johnson all available, there's enough there. But yeah, it could be a Naeem Hines game. That's that, There's me trying to throw one in the pot. But now I just think the Colts defense is too good and that the Titans defense is too bad. But I suspect you are of the contrarian. Yes, how could you tell? No, I'm going for the for the Titans on this one. And although the Colts defense is is great, I think AJ Brown getting back has been a real godsend for the, for the Tennessee Titans there as well. And then it just frees them up to to use pieces like Johnny Smith, and he, he got the touchdown because teams are so scared of Derrick Henry. And just because Derrick Henry isn't necessarily getting the work and getting the touchdowns. The, the, the play where Johnny Smith scored his touchdown was because everything was geared up for the run and Johnny was was wide open in the end zone. So Vrabel will be able to utilise those kind of little things there and just all the different pieces. I think it will be it will be a good matchup. The Colts will put up a fight, but um, I, I just I'm struggling to as the Colts as a whole. I've, I've just said go trade for for Jonathan Taylor because he's going to have a great rest of the season, but I am struggling to get on board with the Colts as a whole. But um, yeah. what, what? That's why what, I was surprised when you went. Ooh. What needs to, <laughs> what needs to partner a, a great defense, and that's a, a strong running game as well. So here's hoping for Jonathan Taylor and Derek Henry going toe to toe in a big old fashioned rushing shootout. It's almost fitting in a way that the Vegas or the betting odds. It's. Um, Titans are a 1.5 point favourite. So there's very little in it. Yeah, it should be a good game. Um, it's Thursday night. Like We've seen this happen. Unexpected things happen on the Thursday because the teams haven't had full time to prepare for it on the short week, uh, especially with COVID playing its factor at the moment. So uh, it's very much up in the air. I, I wouldn't like to, to put money on it because it will be a, a close one. But um, no, I, do just I, wouldn't, fancy the, no. I do just fancy the Titans. Wonderful. So let's conclude the show. Uh, James, where can we find you on Twitter? As always, look for me at NFL Hype Train. Toot toot. Toot toot. Indeed, the Hype Train article will be out tomorrow for all of your waiver streaming needs. 
and make sure you head over to at F10Y Fantasy where we will have the trades and then all of the stuff headed into week 10, your start sits, injuries, DFS content, etc. etc. I've been David. You can find me on Twitter at Dab underscore F10Y. Thank you very much for listening and we'll speak to you on Friday. You've been listening to the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at F10Y Fantasy and over on our website, www.full10yards.com, where we cater to all of your American football needs from NFL General, Fantasy Football, College Football, and even Britball. Thanks for listening, and remember, folks, keep those eyes peeled. Yeah.